Hey everyone, this is Rich. I wanted to let you know before we start the episode that this show contains discussions about suicide. So if you or someone you know is in crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Hawthorne. I'm Julian Slowick, and tonight it'll be our pleasure to feed you the curtain rises. Over the next few hours, you will ingest fat, salt, sugar, protein, bacteria, fungi, various plants and animals, and at times entire ecosystems. But I have to beg of you one thing. It's just one. Do not eat. Taste savor relish consider every morsel that you place inside your mouth be mindful but do not eat our menu is too precious for that Welcome to the Eat Your Content Podcast. I am your host, Rich Herrera, and we are going to be talking about The Menu. So The Menu is a movie that came out around November 22. Didn't hear a whole lot about it myself. And then it came out on HBO Max uh, in January and is now available on digital Blu-ray and DVD um, as of January 17th. So it's getting a little bit more in the public consciousness. And I have with me as my guest for today, the uh, Lord High Emperor of Sustenance himself, Chef John Benhase, who is a chef consultant on the menu. Uh, glad to have you on, Chef John. It's awesome to be here. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for your time. So uh, kind of give the uh, the listeners your your base of operations, kind of who you are, where you're from, and, and what, you're, what you're currently doing. Sure. Um, I am a chef and business owner in uh, Savannah, Georgia. Um, three other partners, I own a place called Starlin Yard, which is a big outdoor kind of food and, and beverage venue. A bunch of cool stuff happening there all the time. Currently taking a a short hiatus from professional cooking because I had a baby not long ago. So oh, yeah. spending spending some time uh, being a dad and doing some consulting and stuff like that, being very fortunate in the fact that I get to spend some time with my, my son, which is not something everybody gets to do, especially in our industry. I'm very, very thankful for that. Yeah, con- congratulations. Uh, I saw it on your Instagram with the, I'm with sure the bouncing it's the only, baby boy. I'm sure it's the only thing on my Instagram, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like you have kids and and uh, your Instagram feed changes. So congratulations yeah, on that. from food to babies. That's right. That's right. So thank you again uh, for your time. And I- I'm from Savannah, Georgia, actually. Oh, really? uh, yeah, I grew up there and love Starling Yards. Been there a few times. So uh, I-, I love the the setup and all the shipping containers. It's just a really cool spot. Downtown Savannah is really lucky to have a, an area like that. So good job with that. Congratulations hey, on hey, that. We love it a lot. Man. So let's talk about the menu. So the menu is directed by Mark Mylod, and it's written by Seth Reese and Will Tracy, produced by Adam McKay. Just a cavalcade of uh, stars in this movie have Ray Fiennes as Chef Slowick, Anya Taylor-Joy as Margot, and Nicholas Holt as Tyler, kind of the three main characters there. Um, but really the MVP for me, I think, was Hong Chao as Elsa. Uh, (laughs) she was so great as the Vader D I mean just putting the the customers in their place throughout the throughout the whole movie and and really honestly there's there's no good guys in this movie I don't think it's kind of a dark comedic satire I almost equated as if you cross chef's table with Black Mirror 
you, you kind of get the, the menu. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, you know, it's uh, a really great satire movie. Um, I've I watched it multiple times now, um, one couple times to prepare for this, but just out of my sheer enjoyment of the film. So kind of talking through the movie itself, how did how did you initially get involved? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> um, I'm still not 100% uh, sure, <laughs> but I, I, I have a, a really wonderful friend who uh, spent a long time working at SCAD, and uh, I think they reached out to SCAD and her trying to find a local chef to kind of, you know, Dominique Corinne and her crew, you know, designed the food for the menu. Um, but then they needed somebody to come in and kind of be the the kind of authenticity and uh, uh, kind of actor coach in terms of making sure everything looked really real and, and the actors, director, um, writers, you know, had the the tools they needed to to make this thing look legit. So Betsy, who is the executive producer with um, Adam McKay, called me, and then it was kind of a like two days later I was on set and. Uh, it was a really, really uh, quick and uh, a crash course in, in learning how films are made, um, but really, really cool. Yeah. So have you, have you worked on any films before this one or is this no, your first? No, not at all. Yeah, this is it. When you kind of see how the, the sausage is made, so to speak, what things that were kind of shocking to you or, or interesting when, when you're looking at movie making? I thought it was, it was all really interesting, to be honest. I, I'm a huge film and, you know, movie buff anyway and so for me you know so many people there are kind of nerding out on the food and i'm nerding out on what they're doing um, right. because it because it's just it's so cool seeing all these people with these really specific jobs who are just kind of masters of these very specific crafts you know i was very fortunate that the first and and maybe only movie that i got to work on was such a collaborative <laughs> positive set i i was able to come right in and ask questions but also be asked questions and and be able to kind of insert myself in terms of giving feedback you know coaching and stuff like that and it was never ever met with pushback or you know stay in your lane or any of that stuff. So that, that made it an easy transition while I was getting my feet wet. And then, you know, after a week or so, it felt really natural and I've made some, you know, lifelong friends from, from that experience and got to work with some really incredible people. That's awesome. Now that was, it was a relatively quick shoot, right? About six, six, eight weeks. Uh, in the restaurant itself, um, which as you know, is most of the film was, uh, I think right at eight weeks. Um, and then, uh, you know, there was, there was some stuff in terms of filming on Tybee and Jekyll Island and, you know, some of the outdoor stuff or, um, and then, you know, post, uh, you know, second unit stuff in terms of getting like some of those, uh, like hero or chef's table shots on, on some of the, the dishes and stuff like that, which they did with David Glove in, in LA. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh. Uh, it was it was pretty quick for me. It, it didn't feel quick because I was there every single day. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to kind of bring up the chef table of it all. So I was when I watched the movie the first time, and I and I went into it blind. I didn't watch the preview or anything. And oh, good for was, you. Yeah, I was watching. I was like, man, this looks a lot like chef's table. And so you know, after the first initial viewing, I started googling it, and yeah, I didn't realize that David Gelb was the second unit 
uh, director on this movie. Yeah. Hence why it looks like Chef's Table. And I was like, man, they were really trying to nail a certain aesthetic to this film, which is the, you know that high end dining experience, um, and making it look real and authentic. And especially with Dominic Crenn there, um, and and Ray Fiennes just putting on a performance. He, you would have thought he was a chef this whole time. He's just um, so incredible, acted. man. Watching that guy work every day is it makes you really second guess whether you have any focus or drive in your life whatsoever. <laughs> so, so let's kind of break down the movie a little bit. And, and I guess I should have said this earlier, but spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen the menu yet. Uh, we're going to be talking about some plot points and some details. Uh, so if you haven't watched it and you want to be free of any spoilers, I'd say get back on the ferry and head back to the mainland because uh, the spoilers are coming. So watching this movie, you, you know, it, when I first heard of the menu and it was kind of a comedic horror, I'm like, oh, great. It's another another cannibal menu movie. And I was like, it was nothing like that at all. And it was it was really great. And it's it, at first, you know, you're introduced to all these characters that are, you know, a little unlikable uh, for the most part. And then you're introduced to Margot, who's who's our audience surrogate. And I was watching the movie and watching Tyler and Margo interact. It, it kind of reminds me of me and my wife, which is kind of funny. My wife's Margo and I'm Taylor. And, uh, you know, to to a, a much lesser degree, I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere near as obnoxious as Taylor is. But um, so all the characters are introduced and you get to the, the courses and they're all displayed like chef's table. And it starts off pretty innocently. Um, and the first course on the boat, which is the oysters and the lemon caviar with, that was made with alginate, the first watching when Margot says, so it's made with pond scum. And I watched it. And at first, the first time watching it, it's a funny line. The second time watching it in subsequent viewings, you realize that's what Chef Slowick thinks about the customers that are on the boat, that they're all pond scum. Right. Um, so, and then you get to the, the first course. Now, my... Look at that first course looked great, and the second course starts a little bit darker. The third course gets a little bit darker, and then if you don't realize what's happening, the fourth course is really where it all starts going downhill. So, looking at the courses of of the menu, which one would you say is kind of like I don't want to say your favorite because they're all, they're all kind of dark and have a alternate meaning. But looking at the courses, which one was kind of your favorite in terms of from an artistic level or an intellectual level or from a snark kind of sarcastic level? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, like you said, they progress, right? So each each one is is uh, is got so much undertone to it, and so much kind of tongue in cheek kind of aspect to it. But at the same time, you know, I think with the way Dominique and and Juan and Nick, like how they designed each dish, they're very intentional with making it beautiful, but and even like, you know, tasting good, but it's still just like kind of like soulless food, yeah. right? Like there, yeah. there's no, there's no, there's no love in any of that food. And that, you know, that's obviously so different from how they cook at their restaurant, even though it is a three Michelin star uh, spot, you know, there's, their food is still so beautiful and, and, and uh, nuanced and delicate. And this food is too, but it's also like, like, does that like? Do you even want to eat it? Um, so you know, I think <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, the the course that I most wanted to eat was actually the the ladies only course. The oh yeah, the crab with the um, kasabushi like that. That was a really cool and the fermented the fermented way with the crab like that's a really cool dish. Um, yeah, the one with the emojis. One, 
Yeah, with the emojis. <laughs> with the emojis. So, <laughs> you know, that one flies under the radar a little bit. For But for me, that was probably the coolest dish from just kind of a culinary nerd out point of view. Um, right. But, you know, the chicken thigh with the scissors is pretty, pretty spectacular in terms yeah. of, uh, of visual. And, um, you know, I, I think there it's so intertwined with the plot and so intertwined with how, how the, the guests and the kitchen are interacting with what's going on that I, I think each dish has its own kind of special place. Yeah. Speaking of that chicken thigh dish, you know, just to, to talk about how much storytelling goes into the enjoyment of the meal. So when, when he's, when it's presented, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that looks so good. I want to eat it. And then he's telling the story and I'm like, I don't want to eat it anymore. Right. It's it's so horrible of a memory is, you know, with his mom being a, a drunk and his dad being a worse drunk and the dad, you know, trying to, to kill the mom back when he was a, a kid for taco Tuesday. Oh, that's like, dang, that is dark and I don't want to eat that chicken anymore, but it looks so good. Um, he says but, it so casually as well. And you know, yeah, it's just he, like, oh, Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. And yeah, it's so casually and he so flippantly tells the story. It's You, you kind of see how far gone he's gone as a as a person in terms of his outlook on life and, and everything else. I, I think for me, the my favorite course, because I'm kind of a snarky, sarcastic person, was that breadless bread course. And the way he described yeah. it was, you are not the common man. Bread is for common people. You are not common people, so therefore you get no bread. So it, it's funny that Margot instantly recognized that this guy's insulting all of you, and you're just taking it, and you just and you don't see that he's insulting you. You're you're too self-absorbed in in being there and paying twelve hundred and fifty dollars a person that you don't see that this chef is literally insulting you. And that breadless bread course to me was from an intellectual level was hilarious. I, I don't know how many times I laughed and rewound that scene just to, just to hear him describe it and tell that story. It, yeah. Just uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie is, is well, pretty much anything John Leguizamo does, but yeah, yeah. him, him being like all the, all this shit surrounding the complete uh, absence of, of bread. bread. It's really, it's actually really good. I get into it. Yeah. <laughs> and and speaking of kind of John Leguizamo, when we talk about all the different characters, you have the the tech bros that are instantly unlikable, and then you have yeah. the uh, Lillian Bloom, the the restaurant critic that kind of thrives on shutting down restaurants, um, and and her yes man of an editor that just kind of eggs her on. Um, the Liebermans that just go because they got money to spend, but don't care either way. It's them going to Hawthorne was like us going to McDonald's or something like that. It just doesn't matter to them. Yeah. Yeah. But John Leguizamo, I kind of felt bad for him, his character. He's there because Chef Sloak had a day off and he just hated his movie. (laughs) I was like, oh no, I I don't know if you, (laughs) I don't know if you're kind of in the same, the same area as the rest of these unlikable people. And then the poor assistant is like, do you owe student loans? No. Yeah, you're gonna die. <laughs> so you gotta yeah, get you to know, eat the I rich think, moment there. Yeah, I think you know it pokes fun in a lot of different directions. I think that uh, you know there's different parts of the story where you feel more sorry for and less far sorry for uh, yeah. different characters at different times. You know, they they all end up just being so pathetic. Um, but yeah, I mean, John, John and Amy's characters are probably the least hateable in terms of 
of yeah. their dynamic and their interaction with it. But you, you look at it as a, as more of like a fable than a reality in terms of the, the lessons it's teaching. And, right, uh, right. you know, I don't think any of those people deserve to die. <laughs> That's so, but it's, it's more, it's more kind of the revenge porn, I guess, of, of the, the industry than anything else. Right. And then, and then you get to the fourth course with the mess um, and, and RP sous chef character, Jeremy Loudon <laughs> uh, with, with what happened there. And, th- and when I was watching the movie the very first time, again, I'm going in it cold. Uh, I don't know anything about it. And I realized the courses are getting a, a little darker. And then I show them spreading out the, the plastic sheeting. And I'm like, Oh no, what, what's about to happen. Right. And then Jeremy Loudon, the, the character, not the actor, the character, Chef Loudon, is having an existential crisis via Chef Slowick and unfortunately takes his own life. And and then everybody's expected to eat. And that's when it all starts going really downhill from there. And that course was like insane. I mean, watching what happened and then the, the chef's table zoom in of, of the course itself, I'm like, I, I don't care about the food anymore. I'm like, what's what's happening? But the food, yeah. unfortunately, still looked really delicious. And Yeah, it was and a beautiful plate. It was a beautiful plate uh, amidst the, the ugliness of, I don't know, I guess the, the the life of being a chef of that caliber and high end and, and somewhat, and, and the poor guy lost himself in the whole thing and couldn't claw himself back. And that you know, I, I, I kind of had to stop and digest that particular scene and, and what happened. And, um, unfortunately you, you see a lot of, you see a lot of chefs going through that and, in, in, in our, in, in your industry, I'm sure. And, and just kind of losing their, their own self identity to, to what's going on. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know really how much more I can say about that, but that's, no, no, you know, it's, that's it's, the it's turning point. Real, yeah. It's a super real thing. And I think it, it's a, uh, it's a huge turning point in the, in the story and the, in the film in terms yeah. of kind of snapping you to uh, like a level of focus. Like you get that bang yep. and you're like, Oh shit, this, this is real. <laughs> this, is yeah. real. this is happening. And, and the guy, Adam, who plays Jeremy, you know, he's not, uh, there's so many big stars in that film and he's, he's not, you know, in the film as long as there's a lot of the other like characters, but man, he's so good in that moment too. Cause you, you're like, Oh man, like he's getting bested in his, his kind of suffering so quickly. And yeah. then it's just bam, it's gone. And yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. And then it's like, and here's his mess. We're going to roll him up nicely in this, yeah, this, yeah. Uh, this er- herb blanket. And, uh, move on with our night yeah it's insane that because this is a satire uh a satire film it kind of takes a lot of um stereotypes to that nth degree so for instance like with the the man's folly course and everybody's outside and uh sous chef there um talking about how she was sexually harassed you know by chef slowick and Mm -hmm. which again is an unfortunate common thing in the restaurant industry now coming Super, to light yeah. yeah now coming to light recently with with the me too movement and as it should be you know to to be drug out into the light and eradicated is, is what should should be happening um but, but this movie with the satire takes it to that degree and allows her to have um a semblance of revenge on on chef slowick as a being a terrible human being and, and stabs him in the thigh which is again a callback almost to that chicken thigh course chicken al pastor course with the the stabbing in the thigh with his father so it's just the whole full circle um of that and then after the course you have the i think one of the funniest moments in the movie where they where all the men go off running 
and then the the magazine editor gets the Pissard egg. <laughs> and oh, the yeah. chicken coop. Oh yeah, my the, gosh, that was so funny. Caught. Yeah. Yeah, the last one caught. You get a, a Pissard egg. Here, eat it. Here's the last one caught. Congratulations. And then everybody gets gets drugged back in. Um, so good. That was so funny. And, and that's where that that dark and that comedy kind of come together. Like you just got off of this really dark moment and you're immediately kind of brought into that comedy and you're like, I I don't want to laugh, but I'm laughing because oh, it's you, funny. you catch yourself laughing the whole film in places you're like trying to correct yourself on laughing. Exactly. Like, I should not think this is as funny as it is. <laughs> and yet it but is. That's why it's a really smart movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you get the the extra course of of Tyler being called out for for being a foodie. You know, I, you know, I consider myself a foodie, and I saw what was happening to Tyler, and I'm like, oh my god, am I like that? Like, I was taking some self reflection. Being, I, I I I have not worked in the food industry, so I'm 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 not a chef. I'm not a I I cook at home. I worked at McDonald's as a teenager, but that's about the extent of it. And I and I really took some self reflection. I'm like, gosh, am I am I that obnoxious? Am I? I, I really don't want to be like that. And then when chef pulls him in, it's like, you're a cook. You need to cook and puts him on the spot. And then he forces him to start cooking in front of everybody. How much of that did you watch and go, God, I want to take that that Yelp elite stupid person and throw them in the kitchen and and see what they can do? Like, how much of that did you take? satisfaction in and you know we're in a safe space so you can <laughs> feel <laughs> well, feel free to feel free to uh let loose i think i think you know i think they say it really well like uh Slovak says it really well in the the film you know he says you're the reason the mystery of what we do is gone you know right. like the the constant uh documentation and uh you know all those people were at that restaurant, not really to eat. They were there because they felt more special by being there, you know, status. Right. It's right. And you know, that that's what a lot of things like Yelp and re- review based things do is they take you, they take you to, uh, they take you out of just being in a space and experiencing it and more into kind of the analytical, you know, poking holes in it. You know, I, I, I don't know, you know, when I go out to eat, it's it's challenging sometimes because when you've been working in restaurants and stuff for as long as you can, you notice everything, right? It's right. It's just how it is. So you, you know, I'm just happy to be out <laughs> most yeah. of the time. You know what I mean? So, you know, on the other side of that, people go out to eat all the time and don't really view it as special anymore. It's more just, you know, becoming a part of their identity. Uh, and part of that identity is, is you know, picking apart every ingredient and it's like sometimes just enjoy it like yeah i think and that's a big part of kind of an overarching cultural thing in our in our society not just in restaurants and stuff like uh you know as a microcosm it's more uh very few of us can do stuff without our phones without our uh you know without our kind of social media interaction and instead of just like you're on an island at the coolest restaurant in the world, man. Just have fun. Just like, enjoy the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, again, Tyler, Tyler deserved to die more than anything because of what he did to Margo. <laughs> yeah, I think oh, ultimately, right? ultimately he, he's the one who de- deserved to die the most um, out, of, out of everybody. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, he knew exactly what was going on and brought somebody there knowing they would die. Right, right. And, and thinking that he wouldn't die. Because because 
he had created this fantasy in his his mind that he was special enough. Like I'm a real foodie, so they like once they recognize that, they won't kill me. Right. You know what I mean? Like if if I can pick out bergamot in this tea, then you I'm, know I'm cooler chef, than you. Chef will chef will respect me. Chef, right. Chef will know me, and and he'll know that I'm one of them, and I won't die. And that's yeah. what that's what happens. He's like, oh, you want to be one of us? You're one of us. Let's go. Prove yeah. It. Exactly. And, you know, this this film just skewers everyone. It leaves no one untouched in terms of the archetypes that you come across in a restaurant, even even the foodies, you know, that that I consider myself to be part of. And he talk about um, (laughs) that he he thinks he's better than everybody else. I, I don't know how many stories of from chef friends that I hear about of uh yelp elites coming in thinking they're somebody and and demanding like you know free food or i'm going to give you a bad review or or something like that and that's those are those are the tylers of the world that you just kind of want to yeah yeah put a put a chef's coat on them and and stick them in the kitchen and and see what they can do it's all entitlement you know that's our our biggest thing is thinking that we deserve everything all the time exactly you know i i i grew up uh, in a way that if we were going out to dinner in any capacity, even if it was McDonald's or whatever, then that was a big deal. You know what yeah. I mean? And you, you thanked your parents afterwards and you know what I mean? Like it was that, like, it wasn't just, uh, expected that you could drop $1,200 on a, on a dinner that, that you weren't even really thankful for, you know right. what I mean? Or, or so I, I think the, just the level of like, from a consumer standpoint of just thinking that you deserve everything is, is the problem, you know? Ultimately, it is customer service. So the yeah. chefs and stuff, like we are there to serve you. And yeah. you know, you, you should cook food that people want to eat. <laughs> you don't. You shouldn't cook food for yourself. You should cook pe- food that people are going to love. And um, you know, that's part of what Slowick was doing too: was cooking food for himself, not not for the people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's that's why I love the film. Is it pokes fun in pretty much every direction. It's not yeah. just the guests. It's also making fun of fine dining. It's also making fun of obsession, all of those things. Absolutely. So after after Tyler is, you know, put in his place, Seth Slowick whispers something in his ear. We can't hear it. What do you, what do you speculate he said? Or, or what do you what do you think he might have said to him? Yeah, I think I thought about it a lot. I mean, there's a few times because Nick, who played Tyler, is just so good. Um, yeah, he's great. And he made that character lovable for a while. When yes. not many people could have made that character lovable for a while. I mean, I think, you know, that take happened a couple different times and uh, Rafe kept actually just whispering really wild stuff in his ear and trying to make <laughs> him trying to make him laugh. So um, I, I thought he handled it pretty well. So I, I never actually thought about it a ton in terms of uh, in terms of what Sloic would have said, because right. Because I was more focused on knowing that Rafe was saying wild stuff in his ear, and that uh, we were all just trying not to laugh. So <laughs> he's trying yeah. not to. Nick's trying not to break character, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's, that's hilarious. So, so after all that, we, you know, we're we're getting towards the the end of the course, and then Margot finally. Margot's the only one that's really calling Slowick out on his on his crap, right? And mm-hmm. finally, she she figures out what it is that brought him joy during a, a moment where she's sent out to go get a barrel for the dessert course. 
runs into his house calling for help, but finds one picture of Slowick where he's smiling, and it's when he was cooking a burger uh, back when he was starting out. So towards the end, she's trying to figure out, how do I get out of this? His origin but story. His his <laughs> origin story, right. So she's figuring out, how do how am I going to get out of this? How, how can I get everybody out of this so we all don't die? And she finally, right at the end, calls him out and says, you know, you don't cook with love. You cook out of obsession, and I'm still starving. And then you know, being like you were saying in the service industry. So, so it's like, well, I don't want you hungry. What do you want? And she says a cheeseburger and I don't think you can make it knowing that this is what brought him joy. And you almost see the light bulb switch in Slowick's mind of when he hears a cheeseburger of making the cheeseburger. So now we get to the part that you are somewhat uh, have become famous for. And I don't think I've ever seen a sandwich made so well since John Favreau made a grilled cheese sandwich in that movie chef. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that clip. Oh, of, yeah, that's um, beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful shot. But then Ray Fiennes makes the cheeseburger, the cheeseburger in quotes. Let's talk about that process. So you now the cheeseburger was always in the script, right? It, it wasn't a different thing before. And then people changed their mind and made it a cheeseburger. It was always in the script, right? Yeah, it was always there. And again, it was a, a really cool, open and collaborative set. So, you know, sitting there and they're, the two writers are sitting there talking about uh, what should the cheeseburger be uh, with each other. And I was like, hello, uh, <laughs> I got a great cheeseburger. Maybe, uh, maybe this would be a good fit. And they're like, oh yeah. So what's your like perfect cheeseburger? And so I kind of walked them through the whole process and talked to them about it. They were like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what we want. Let's do it. Let's try it. So I, yeah, it was cool. I mean, I got to uh, make that burger for Dominique Crin and, and Ray Fines in, in the middle of a warehouse on like a electric griddle. And if you have never felt pressure in your life, that is that is a way to put a lot of pressure on yourself right. cooking a burger for Ray Fines and Dominique Crin. But uh, yeah, so, you know, it, it it looked great and it's it's a killer, killer cheeseburger. And uh, so then uh, then it became it became the burger and Rafe made it look really, really sexy doing it. Yeah. So. Now you you were actually you had to coach him how to do that, right? You were teaching him the moves and the 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 things that would make it look cinematic in the film. So so what kind of I don't know what kind of boot camp what kind of cheeseburger making boot camp did you put him through in terms of this is what this is how you're going to make this burger? Yeah, we kind of you know he watched me make it like all the way through you know once just me making it, then once me making it and talking about it, and then once kind of making it with him asking questions and then he made it probably three four times within that same same kind of uh time period um and did i mean he just did such a great job and then but we did that and then you know it was like three or four weeks later was the actual burger scene so that was just like the day we had to like the day we had time to do it um and so then we had to cook it on set which is completely different um you know different smoke different heat different mm-hmm. uh different everything um but he you know kind of the same thing i i made it all the way through um on camera so they could kind of block the motions and understand where stuff was going to be and um and just kind of kind of give him a refresher and then uh i mean he came in and he knocked that out in like two or three takes, man. I mean, yeah, I was going to ask how many takes did it, did it? Yeah, really, really. I mean, he, he did. And he was like, I've never cooked a cheeseburger like this. So, I mean, it really was, he just, he's that, he's that good. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I think he really is that uh, that in tune to to understanding how that repetition of motion and yeah. and the nuance of everything. And man, I mean, he he is he is cooking that burger on on the on the screen. That's not like other people's hands or. Yeah, I was gonna say no stunt anything. hands, right? <laughs> yeah, man, that was that was all him. And uh, and then yeah, like that bur- that burger they put up on the plate that kind of takes up the whole screen. Like that that is the burger that was being cooked. That didn't get like swapped for like a a, a prettier one. A food like styled that. a food stylist burger. It yeah, was an actual cooked burger. That's what the burger looked like, man. And it, it is that pretty. Yeah, and watching it on screen, just and you hear the music change. It's very ethereal, almost like the gates of heaven type of music that's being played. Yeah, it's the, it's like the ratatouille moment, you know? Yeah, the ratatouille moment, yeah. exactly. And and him and Chef Slowick just smiling through it all as if for a, a, a moment in time, the joy was back for him to cook. And then he presents it to um, Anya Taylor-Joy. How many burgers did she eat before <laughs> before the take was right? <laughs> uh it was only a couple i mean really for that one you know it's just like one big bite so yeah you know she but she she is uh very much vegetarian so the one she's oh, wow. biting is, is actually uh not beef uh oh really it, yeah hers hers was a beyond burger oh well you yeah, look pretty impressive still uh, yeah no i think that was that was like the food stylist team who you know they made a bunch of different you know all all real ingredients, but they made a bunch of different uh, Beyond Burger replicas, but they were making it kind of in the moment. Um, so yeah. it was still hot and still milty and all that stuff. Um, and then, but that, I think it was only a couple takes, but yeah, she you know, did that big bite. And, oh, that's yeah. a cheeseburger. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then the joy comes back and then she asked the pivotal question, can I get this to go? And there's yeah. a moment in time where you wonder if is he going to let her move. go or not? Yeah. Smart move. Right. And then, so he packs it to go and lets her go. And then she kind of walks towards the door, looks back. And Mrs. Lieberman kind of waves her through, like, we all deserve punishment, but you don't, you know, go on. And and then at that point, I think everybody accepts their fate of what's happening. Um, which brings us to the dessert course, which as they were spreading that out among the floor, I'm like, this is Alinea. And this yeah. is, this is very much inspired by Alinea and, and uh, Grant Ackett's. Um, famous dessert spread in, on on the table. Uh, again, that's that's an indicator of David Gelb's influence, I'm sure. Um, were you there for that to kind of see all that being spread yeah, out? Yeah, so, no, that was uh, I, I spent a lot of time on that. So um, yeah, David David Gelb didn't come in, but he was only second unit, so he actually didn't even get hired for this stuff till we were done shooting. Um, so this was this that was a that was a uh, intentional kind of ode to choice made by the writers and made by Ethan, who's uh, Tobin, who's the production designer. But yeah, so that that scene was wild. Ethan kind of had this design. They took a they took a picture of um, the entire space from a bird's eye view and then laid out how they wanted the dessert to look and then. You know, we had to work with the actor, the background actors to, to get those motions right, to get the swirls and get the yeah. um, all of those things. And then there is a, a guy going behind and creating the same shapes out of silicone. So oh, wow. 
all of that was actual food. Like, so all that stuff going on the ground was like graham crackers and melted marshmallow cream and all that stuff was actually pretty much all like edible stuff. But then once it all got laid out, then it was replaced with these kind of perfect silicone things so that people could walk on it and (laughs) and stuff like that. But yeah, that was, I mean, it was a huge undertaking. Um, And Ethan, the production designer, just I think there's a lot of Oscar nominations that should have happened for that movie that didn't. But you uh, know, I was going to ask you that the Oscar snub. (laughs) But production design, man, I mean, what a beautiful, beautiful set and yes, uh, the design of that restaurant. But then that dessert by itself, I felt like deserved an Oscar. But uh, um, yeah, it was cool. I I don't know. You've been to Savannah, but. do you know, have you ever been to Chocolate uh, by Adam Taroni? No, I have not been there yet. Yeah, so he's a chocolatier here, and he he built all of those like big white chocolate domes and the chocolate hats. And uh, oh, so he made the hats stuff. for the movie? Yeah, yeah. So all of that stuff was was actual chocolate too. So <laughs> oh, wow, uh, is is pretty cool. Did he make the marshmallow life uh, straight jackets? I think that was made by by. Uh, costume or set design but uh yeah they were they had like actual like powder on them like when you it took it off they had like the the sugar powder residue on on everything that's funny and, and i think too i was reading um an interview with dominic Krenz somewhere i can't remember but i think there's one of those few movies about food where real food was actually used like real all edible. the way through man all, all the, the way, way through. through all the courses yeah. every plate that was set down on the table of all the diners was all real food that people could eat Yep. So that's that's amazing, the attention of detail that they wanted to have for this movie. Like, beyond it being satire, they wanted the food to be real. Yeah, I think that was one of her big stipulations. And then Kendall, who was the food stylist, um, had a, a team. And, I mean, that that is a really different beast to tackle than than food stylists. You know, they usually are able to use a lot of different tricks to, to make stuff, you know, Right, hold up for multiple takes and stuff like that. But in this, I mean, every take, you're we're all like running around to replay. I mean, you know, especially the the food stylist team. Like, you know, I'm not trying to include myself in how hard they had to work for each each take. But right. you know, they're they're in the background between between shots, getting everything ready for the next shot. Um, like I said, like the burgers or, I mean, everything that was in the kitchen at all times was in the background, was edible and getting ready for the next course. Um, so it was, it was a really interesting, uh, there's very little movie magic. It was, it was, it was cooking. Yeah. So the, so I'm guessing the crew and, and all the, you know, stage hands and the camera people were, were eating good every night because that food had to get eaten at some point. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I think there, there was a lot of, a lot of cheeseburgers handed out and a lot of pieces of steak handed out and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, it was cool. So the, the, the grip is like, please no more scallops. I, I can't eat another. <laughs> right, right. Some of those scallops, uh, that, that was where some of the cool food stylist stuff came in is like Kendall knew that you could make potatoes look like scallops. So oh, wow. we had, there's, you know, like whole punch potatoes that then were seared like scallops. So a raw scallop sitting on, on set for a few different hours, you know, when they, when people were taking bites of it, it would be a scallop, but otherwise it was still very much edible and seasoned and everything, but it was a potato. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. The, the, taking a peek behind the, the curtain of Hollywood movie making. Exactly. 
So, yeah, I was a little disappointed on the Oscar snub, too, when I was reading the Oscars. And I was like, they got, okay, they got nominated for Golden Globes, but no Oscar nominations at all. It's like, ah, come on. Somebody, somebody's, somebody's wrong. (laughs) I I don't, I don't pretend to be an expert, but. (laughs) So I know we got to wrap up your your time uh, with this has been very generous. I'm just going to ask you this last question. How often do you hear that clap in your sleep? <laughs> not not in my sleep. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of the actors who who played and you know played the kitchen, you know, background actors and the sous chefs. I'm sure that they got real tired of that clap, especially especially <laughs> the the background actors who had to you know come to attention every single time that clap happened. And I mean, the amount of times that was rehearsed and choreographed and walked through over and over and over again i'm sure that that clap drove them absolutely bonkers but uh, it, i i i was not uh, i was not affected by it the same way <laughs> i can't yeah all those all those poor uh, background chefs that you were helping make look chefy exactly. they, they were they were they were getting the, the they were losing their the claps yeah they, <laughs> they all knew they were gonna die too so <laughs> Well, Chef John Van Hayes, thank you so much for your time uh, and walking us through the movie. And folks, if you haven't seen it, it's streaming on HBO Max now. Uh, go check it out. Um, again, thank you for your time and, and uh, I appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was fun.